Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. Gobert out to Green, who's hit two in a row, make it three in a row. Jeff Green with his third three. That guy is a streak shooter, Ron. That's what we've learned about him. Three threes in a row for Jeff Green. He's got 13 off the bench. Now. Moutier works the right side, attacks Dinwiddie to the rack, lays it up and in, tied at 94. Emmanuel Moutier. What you appreciate about guys that are coming off the bench, that they can come in and not only make plays you know, for each other. I know Jeff made, made some shots, Emmanuel made some shots, but they guarded and they really played for one another. They didn't force themselves on the game. You know, there were opportunities that present, presented themselves, and I thought collectively that group played well together. And obviously, Jeff and Emmanuel being able to make those plays, that effort was a, a gritty effort when those guys came back in the game. Jeff and, and Emmanuel put us in a position where we had a chance to win. Jazz win last night, Gordon, their fourth game in a row, 119-114. Split story of the day brought to you by our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. Um, Gordon, so, so last night, uh, let me take you through my experience uh, watching the game briefly All right. and, and get your thoughts. But I think this was a really good win over the Nets, and here's kind of why. Uh, they, they started out the game, Gordon, so sluggish. Mm. They were That was a tired team. Uh, wheels down, uh, what did we hear yesterday? Wheels down at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, which means they probably didn't get to bed until between 3.30 and 4. And, you know, the NBA players have kind of a wonky schedule anyway, but that's, I mean, that's extreme, obviously. And you heard Mike, Mike Conley joke about it in the post game, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But that's how they were playing. I mean, they were missing shots terribly. Defense the, the defense it was, was horrible. ugly. That may have been one of the worst defensive halves I think I've ever seen a Jazz play. It was, it was not good. So so ben and I come on at halftime, Gordon, and we talk about how, listen, this, the, the chips are down. This is a tired team. If the Jazz are going to get back into this game, they're really going to have to dig deep, and, and they're really going to have to find, uh, <laughs> you find it somewhere inside themselves to really grit out a victory mm-hmm. and then go into the second half. And that is exactly what happened. And then you heard Quinn talk about the bench guys with Green and Moutier. They came in and were that extra punch of energy that really uh, got the Jazz over the hump. And then the starters, and I know we're going to talk about this, come in, come back in and, and hold down the fort, especially defensively with Rudy. Uh, and they, this was a really good win for the Jazz. They absolutely do not win this game last year. Uh, I would agree with that, and they wouldn't win it without those two bench players that you mentioned. I, they, they just couldn't have. Green hit, what, he hit the three three three-pointers in, right a row. in a row? Yep. And, and Moutier was tough with those uh, two-point shots, those mid-range shots he was hitting. They had to have that in order to keep up with the, uh, with the Nets as they were busy uh, showing that uh, they're going to be really formidable, I think, when Kevin Durant joins their team. So and and Kyrie really sort of had he had his moments, but he had some moments when he wasn't all that efficient. But uh, the Jazz hung in there, and it was interesting to hear the comments of the players uh, from uh, you know as they fell behind the way they did by 15 points in the first half that they they were determined to come back. I don't know how you start the game tired and finish untired. How does that happen? 
Well, explain I, that to me, Mr. Physiology. I I wish I could tell you physically how that happened, but I think, you know, I I think it was the be- very beginning of the second half, and I, I should bring up the I should bring up the chart on it. But it was the very beginning of the second half, Gordon, where the Jazz came out and said, you know what, we're not going to let this game go. Yeah. And and they played. Uh, Royce o- O'Neal made a three. Let's see. Donovan Mitchell makes a layup. Donovan Mitchell makes uh uh. Three-foot, two-point shot. Mike Conley makes a 23-foot shot. Donovan Mitchell uh, makes two free throws. Bogdanovich dunks the ball. And then finally, uh, with seven minutes and 58 seconds to go in the quarter, Kyrie Irving finally makes a 20-foot step back. But at that point, Gordon, uh, the score was 68-66 to for the Nets. And the Jazz are all of a sudden not only right back in it, but they have all the momentum. Yeah. So it, I, I thought that key, you know, like, um, and Ben brought this up in the post game. You know, this is a horrible memory for Jazz fans, I know. But it, the Dallas game last year for the Jazz, where they lost by fifty, 50 yeah. they were down a similar margin at the half, and then come second half, they said, you know what, we're not, we're going to go ahead and and lay down on this one and try to get out of here as fast as possible. This version of the Jazz, faced with something similar, said no. We're going to come out. We're going to make a bunch of shots. We're going to get right back in this. And they were before the, the quarter was even half over. And in a season when every game is going to mean something for playoff positioning, they can't afford to lose these types of games. Right. I know they had it. They were up against it with the back-to-back situation. I don't care. I don't care. And it might not even be reasonable to expect the Jazz to, to put forth uh, that kind of effort under those circumstances. But they did. And they're determined. And it's, as Quinn said afterward, he said, this is a competitive group. They weren't about to lay down. They weren't about to, to shut it down. They were going to go back out and play their hearts out. And, look, when you're missing shots and you're slow uh, to stop uh, an opponent, it's obvious that fatigue is an issue. Yeah. But somehow they were able to rejuvenate. You know, I don't know what that's like. How is that? I mean, is it like uh, firing up a dead battery? I mean, because I, I asked the question again. If you're tired in the first half, how are you not tired in the second half? It's between the ears. Well, it, 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 100%. But, I mean, the truth is you, you are tired. And that's why, that's why I want to be careful with the – and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I, I, want, I want to be careful with the, you know, you're on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't care. I understand what you're going for there. But that's this, – this stuff matters. Like being on the second night of a back-to-back, it has an impact. I mean, you can dive into the numbers, uh, you know, deep. But, I mean, it, it's a real thing. It, it's Fatigue a real- is a real thing. Now, how you cope with it – and I think that's kind of the crux of what you're getting at. I mean, how you cope with it so you still have enough gas left in the tank in the fourth quarter to go make plays to win the game. And I think that's critical, and I think you're right on the money. But by saying, oh, I don't care, I just want to be careful, because that stuff matters. And it, you should get credit if you overcome it. Yeah, I get credit, uh, but every team in the NBA faces these kinds of things. 100%, and a lot of them fail. And so what is it that you're judging the Jazz by this year? It's a higher standard because your expectation for the Jazz is higher. And, and so there have been years when we wouldn't have expected the Jazz to win this game, like you said. Maybe even last year, like you said. But this year, it's different. It's a different group, and you would expect this team to be able to play defense and play offense. The really remarkable thing, and we'll, uh, I, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, the fact that Jazz are 8-3 and three and they're not even playing at their peak at this point, is, is that's 
impressive too. It's very important, actually. Yeah, for them because to get where you, they you want know, to go. Everybody knows when you watch this team play that they can play better. They certainly can play better individually, and we're assuming that as the more time goes by, that they'll be able to play better as a group. Um, I mean, take Joe Ingles for instance. Last night, he was horrible for most of that game. He had the nice strip. Of DeAndre, right? Yeah, but tied for the worst shooting night in his whole career. I mean, it so, was, yeah, was, it wasn't was, good. He, he was bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. And yet the Jazz win. Uh, what Bogdanovich wasn't particularly efficient last night, was he? Uh, no. Here, let me uh, tell you exactly what. I he mean, did look last what night. the Jazz shot from three points. It was, uh, you know, it's, six of twenty-six. It was not good. Bogdanovich five of thirteen, one of three from three, at twelve points. So, you know, shooting accuracy is really affected by fatigue and obviously defense is because it's hard to play defense it's not easy it's not like the jazz just have a bunch of players okay that's really easy for you to play defense even for rudy gobert who is how should we say it physiologically advantaged as far as his length goes and all that it's hard for him too because what they asked the, what they asked rudy to do on defense it's a it's kind of a privilege a compliment to him that they funnel players to Rudy Gobert, but he's got to cover his guy too. And DeAndre Jordan, he had those nice dunks because Rudy's responsible. He's a one-man zone defense, and that's hard to do. It's hard to move around like that. And was that not uh, at times spectacular by Rudy Gobert last night at the offensive end? I mean, and that pass from, from Mike Conley, to Rudy when he in that key moment down the stretch that was a thing of beauty and Rudy just stuck that thing did you hear Quinn's comment on that play after the game because Quinn every once in a while you know this but he'll slide in like a a one-liner or something like that that's that's actually pretty funny you know and uh, last night he said uh, he said something along the lines of is, I doubt he knows who Julio Jones is, but he just made a catch like him. <laughs> I thought that that was pretty funny. You don't think they follow the NFL over there in uh, France? I, I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, uh, what, NFL Europe was a, was a big flop, right? <laughs> I don't know if the NFL's big over there. But the in, point in is France. that it takes effort to do these things that the Jazz had to gather themselves to pull off in the second half, and, and they were able to do it. Is something wrong with Joe Ingles? Oh, I, th- I think, um, and he talked about this on the Joe Ingles show with DJ and PK. I, I think it is an adjustment. He's getting used to his new role. It's, it's a lot different than what he was, he's been asked to do the last two years. So I, I think he's getting used to it a little bit. I have seen him sort of pass up three-point shots and, and dribble into traffic to, I don't know, either find a shot for himself or to deliver the ball to other people. But he's not shooting like Joe Ingles. No, he's not. In fact, he had a really bad air ball from the corner. He did. I mean, usually Joe is, is as close to automatic in the corner as you get in the league. And, and he, he airballed missed, one. And he missed the shot before that, too. And it was just like one following the other. You're like, what the heck's the matter with Joe Ingles? But, I mean, I guess these things have been flow. Well, he, he played some great defense on Kyrie Irving at the end of the game. He, deser- he deserves a lot of credit for the defense and the effort that he put that, in on Kyrie. And that Kyrie. strip of DeAndre Jordan was huge. Yeah. That was and, a big, big play. And Locke said something, because, and, and Gordon, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more uh, a little later in the show, but we were talking before the show, and we were talking about how well Moutier was playing 
and and yet Quinn brought Mac, Mike Conley back into the game mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Conley promptly missed three straight shots. Right, but still finished the game. And then with the with Joe Joe Ingles finished the game uh, instead of Royce O'Neal. And I don't know if you would agree, but I was thinking at the time, well, Royce should absolutely finish this game. He mm-hmm. had some big buckets earlier in the third quarter. His defense uh, on Kyrie Irving has been really really good, particularly in the second half. And and Quinn went with Joe Ingles and Mike Conley. And and talking about Ingles, Locke made a really interesting point when we were doing crosstalk in the post game he said that quinn was coaching for 82 that that wasn't a move uh, aimed number at, 11 aimed at this particular game but the entire season basically sending the signal to joe like hey you're my guy you're still my guy i'm asking you to do something a little bit different but hey go finish this game you're still my guy. go lock down kyrie irving and i i i i think that that was an important i think that's an important signal that he sent same thing like you said with Conley, because Moutier was hot as can be. Yeah. He was making everything. And yet, at a certain juncture, Moutier comes out, and Mike Conley enters the game. And like, like we said, he missed three straight shots. I think he made one after that. But, uh, but he, in that moment, I'm thinking, okay, well, it'll be interesting to see whether he pulls Moutier, because he was so effective, but probably for the very same reason is what you and Locke were talking about. Uh, you can't take away – we've talked about how important it is for Mike Conley to, to find his comfort zone, and he seems to be finding it bit by bit by bit. And so, yeah, are you going to – what kind of effect will that have on Mike Conley if you leave Moutier in there? But it's an interesting debate because haven't, I've heard oftentimes through the years go with the hot hand. Well, in, in the hundred acre wood, all right, in, in a perfect world, it's a it's a direct competition all the time. You're you're competing one hundred percent. You go with the hot hand. Whoever's playing best plays, and that's that's just how it works. And well, we Moody like to think a, about Moody it. A was playing better than Mike Conley, one hundred percent. But the truth is, in a real locker room, in a real life situation, there are other factors at hand. You know, stuff like stuff like salary matters, believe it or not, in the NBA, because, you know, if you invest X amount in a player, you expect X amount of return and them to have X amount of opportunity to deliver that return. I mean, there's there's so much. And and this is an underrated job of a head coach in, in sports, but particularly in basketball. you got to massage that. You got to know how to deal with that, how to communicate with people, how to to keep the big picture in mind at the same time as managing minute details. And I think I, if you can send positive messages to your team early in the season about their importance to the team, even though they're facing some adversity, that's that's a good message to send. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. How about from this perspective, whoever plays best plays most. And if, if one of your bench players is playing better, should they be able to, in that moment, earn more time? See, in a, in a perfect world, sure. But, 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 but isn't, isn't it? I mean, the NBA is, is turbocharged competition. You know, these guys practice against each other. They um, in that moment, I'm not sure salary should really come into into the equation at all. Okay, but look at it. Look at it this way. So in in the um, in the playoffs, in uh, let's say that if the game's on the line to go to the Western Conference Finals, where you know maybe it happens for the Jazz, maybe it doesn't, but we all think that that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. So the games the games on the line. You got to win it. 
Who's who do you want? Is Emmanuel Moutier going to get you to where you want to go? He's not. He's, <laughs> but, he, but he on, doesn't have that ability. But, but, but in one given circumstance, he might be able to put you over the top if he plays the way he was last night. But here's the point. Mike Conley can. So you need to prepare Mike Conley for that moment. You need to make sure that at game 11 that you're preparing your team to maximize yeah. its abilities. And that's, that's what we're talking about. And so in the temporary, sure, you give Emmanuel Moutier a chance to go beat the Nets in game 11. What, that gives you a very short-term or short-term return if you show confidence in mike conley that he's your guy and that you expect him to perform in these positions and that's the message that you're sending to him there's so much more value in that but you might be able to send the message to your players that if you play best you play most is that not valuable as well you say emmanuel moutier is going to take you to the promised land but he might he might be able to at certain times, and shouldn't players respect uh, whoever is playing best? Remember last year against Houston, guess who got sent to the bench? Right, but that's Rudy Gobert. Yeah, that's and, and Rudy was not particularly happy about that. But that's in a game that is worth way more than Game Eleven. I know, but the it's Nets. the playoffs. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, the, the rules change depending on where you're. Where you are, but, that's but, why. But, that's but, why. But it's, shouldn't there be some consistent? Couldn't there be now? Because I don't even know the right answer to this question that we're talking about. I can see value on both sides, and obviously Quinn is deciding to do this for, uh, as you said, uh, for the betterment of the season as a whole. But I, don't players also respect achievement during games and if if someone and if okay let me say it this way if i'm a great player and i'm out there on the floor and i am not playing particularly well like joe last night don't i aren't i relieved if you've got somebody else you can bring in who's going to play better than me I mean, my well, my contract's guaranteed, man. I'm not going to lose any money over this. I don't think athletes think that way. Don't they want their team to win? But that's doubt creeping in, and all athletes think they well, get yeah, their team I'm the talking best about, chance yeah, to win. But, yeah, but, but, don't, but don't, don't players on a given night say, okay, I might be better than, than so-and-so, but not tonight. He's better than I am tonight. Okay, so so the answer. Well, I don't think I really don't think they feel that way. But the answer to your question is is yes. There, you they're, don't think that Joe Ingles thought last night that somebody else could do it no, better than I, last night. I don't think that. Oh, he, oh come I, I on! How can he not? No, think let's that. please let's not get caught up on this because I think there's actually a really important point to be made. Okay, okay? but I think that's important too. Uh, okay, so. The answer to your question is yes, there is a lot of value to that, and that is a part of the equation. And that's why I, I think it's so delicate for the head coach to handle. And here's my example as to why. Because on the other extreme, where you ignore you know, who's playing the best, you have last year's Boston Celtics, where Brad Stevens plugged Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving right back into the lineup yeah. without having them really earn it in the eyes of their teammates and that turned out to be a disaster. So that's an argument so, against what you're saying. But that's what I that's what I'm saying. That's why it's it's so important that a head coach massage this and do it right. Know when to play what card, right? Know when to have it does be it all always, about competition. Does it always have to be the same? Does it have to be consistent? Because that's at the root of what we're talking it about. It is. Here. It does not. It depends on what the situation calls for. And in the case last night, I think that Quinn Snyder saw the message as more valuable than just a one-off win against the Nets. 
Okay. All in, right. in this particular circumstance. I, I understand that, but I also, and you're going to say this is the 100-acre wood, but I, I think athletes respect production. And if, I, if, if I care about my team and I have a guaranteed contract and on a given night somebody is outperforming me and giving my chance a better giving my team a better chance of winning, I might be relieved to let him play. Not, not, not like he's making some statement that, okay, tomorrow he's going to start or he's going to be in front of you tomorrow, but on, in that given moment. Doesn't that bring a team relief? Oh God, like, can we please not go back to that? There's no way that those athletes feel that way. <clears throat> no way. They always think that they give their team the best chance to win. And, by the way, I can't believe they that you always think that Joe feel Ingles thought that last they night. Always, Joe Ingles stopped shooting because he knew he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But there's other stuff that Joe impacted the game, and his defense is the way he really impacted the game last night. And he probably felt like he gave his team the best chance to win because that's how they all feel. And, by the way, they all also feel that their job is on the line to 24 hours oh, a day because on. it is no because it's it not. is all oh, gordon in professional sports you, think, you could be gone you, you, tomorrow you think mike conley's thinking that way what does nfl stand he's for gordon? not for long he's making 33 yeah but the nfl doesn't have guaranteed contract doesn't have guaranteed money mike conley's making 34 million dollars a year he says he's not out there worried about losing his job and the nets paid darren williams 100 million dollars to go away <laughs> So I don't know. Look, maybe we need to toss this out to our listeners because I'm arguing a point that I don't even know if it's right. It's just a, it's something to think about. Okay. We're, if, you, if you have a thought on this, uh, at Jake, Jake Scott Zone or at Gordon Monson, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm willing to be, to be convinced. I don't know the correct answer. Is it what Jake was saying or is it the point I was presenting? Yeah. Help, help me out here because – I never knew I you could, had a can't win, don't try attitude. No, I could go. My, either my way. team can't win with me, so you know what? I'll be I'll be over here in the end. Got to be a realist. Live at uh, Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Yeah, because what I think professional athletes, I think realists. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> so right. You, so you're a coddler, <laughs> Jake. Sometimes we have a failure to communicate. We were going back and forth on this. And by the way, I was presenting a point of view. I wasn't presenting my point of view, but. We get this uh, t- this uh, tweet from uh, from one of our listeners says, "I believe that Jake's take on this is the most correct." Last year, Rudy Gobert had an off game, and Favors closed the game. Gobert is still the better player. That was my point. That you can have a better player, but in a, in a, in one moment, you can bring somebody else in relief. It's like having a starting pitcher. Who runs out of gas? And so you bring in the reliever to close the game. It mm. doesn't mean that you think that the starter isn't good. The NBA is not like pitching in baseball, and you know that. Well, uh, I get there's a psychological side to there it. There is, and there's a political side to it as well. And by the way, that's where the coach is paid to make the, the decision when that is appropriate and when it's not, because it's not appropriate every single time. And by the way, if you would have asked Rudy in a personal moment deep down well, he if was he mad. was wild about not playing, the answer is he didn't like it. He didn't like it. Now he did what was best for the team, but he didn't do it because he thought that Derek gave him a better chance to win that night. See, Nathan, you're, you're, he tweets again. He says, I call it the Jeremy Lin effect. Feed the hot hand. But I would never have taken, say, Jeremy Lin over, say, Mike Conley for a long-term build, a team-around type of player. 
you're making my point. That was exactly what I was saying. No, the point there, is, well, anyway. Yeah, he's, I'm not saying that if Moutier comes in and plays better than Mike Conley on one night that you now replace uh, Conley with Moutier. I'm saying, but give him his opportunity in the moment when he has the hot hand for that night. Not necessarily in two games or three games or four games. No. But you're completely ignoring the fact that it's just not that simple. It's just interesting because we had somebody else who used the same example. He said... Uh, he said there was a playoff game recently where Rudy uh, told Quinn to stay with Favors. Quinn listened, and Favors finished the game. I agree with you, Gordon. So he's using the same exact example to agree with. with and it wasn't even. So this is really it, bothering you that no, he's no, misidentifying no, you and me. Just, this is really getting well, into it's your not, cross. It's not even. It's not. I don't even know what the right answer is. All I was doing was presenting a point of view, and you were presenting a, a different point of view. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a discussion worth having, even if I'm not even sure that the point of view I'm presenting is the right point of view. I don't know. And maybe different coaches would do it differently. Oh, I certainly think that's the case. But you've got to I mean, you've got to manage your roster. That's that's it's not I guess that was my point from the beginning. It's never as simple as what it should be. And maybe it should be 100% competition all the time. Whoever is playing better is going to play. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's so much else to consider. And I thought that, that Quinn, by letting his finishing five finish, thought he made a play for the future. I thought well, that that okay. was about more than the I, Nets game. And you have to consider that okay. stuff. I can accept that. I, I don't know what the right answer is. But if that – I do, it's that. What, what's the other stuff <laughs> that, that you're talking about? Uh, what is the other stuff that needs to be taken into consideration? Confidence of your other players. So you think Comfortab- you think comfortability if, with the moment. You, so you think that okay, that last one's a good one. The one before though is confidence. Is, is your confidence really going? You're a 13 year vet, and your confidence is going to be torn away from you because the coach goes with another player because he has a hot hand. It can be and, sure in that one, stuff in, is in, delicate. In you know one that. game. You know that. So the next game, you're going to go out and think. See, but but this is counter to what you said earlier that athletes always think that they can give their team the best shot of winning. They do so, all think that, they, and then so, when they, so, and then when they saying, don't, they go away. But you're but you're saying that, that that's being put at risk. How and, did and, uh, how did Mark Wallers go from the best closer in the league, blows one save in the World Series mightily, and can't pitch? After that, his career goes right down the toilet because confidence matters. Mental, mental well-being, all that stuff, absolutely 100 percent matters. But you can say the same thing about, you know, a, a pitchers. There are a couple of very prominent examples of great pitchers who have had some real difficulty in the playoffs of late. Two of them are the two, be- two of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And next year, they're not going to go out on the mound and think like, oh, my gosh, I can't pitch anymore. No, but is it a coincidence that history seems to repeat itself with those pitchers in the playoffs? Well, yeah, but okay, so what? But that has no effect but, on, but, on their overall performance. But they're so good, you have to figure out a way to prepare them better for that moment. And that, again, was my point at the beginning of this, too. The moment you're preparing Mike Conley for isn't game 11 against the Nets. So why should he be affected by by letting the other guy play in game 11 as for, opposed to 
the playoffs. For the reasons I was just talking about. We're going in circles here, I know, pal. but you're going Can, in circles. Confidence, comfortability with the moment, that stuff matters. And, and with Joe Ingles, listen, he's being asked to sacrifice. He's being moved to the bench. It's the best thing for the team. He's getting used to his new role. And that was Quinn Snyder last night. David Locke was 100% right. That was Quinn Snyder saying, you're still my guy. We're going to need you going forward. You're still my guy. I have confidence in you. Go in there and take Kyrie Irving out of the game. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, that, that stuff's important. How can you ignore that stuff being important? Well, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a way to, to, to handle it, considering that Joe wouldn't even shoot because he knew he couldn't make. But he played great defense. All right. All I, don't, right I, don't, all I don't mean to make a Ben Simmons argument here, but there's more to the game than shooting. <laughs> All right, next time you bring up Ben Simmons, you start ripping him. I'm going to remind you of that. Look, I can, I can accept what you're saying. All right, Preston tweets in, can we move on? Agree to disagree. I agree. Let's disagree. Is he programming our show? No. I think it's a, hell of a, I wanted, I, it's a hell of a discussion. I wanted to talk about the Astros cheating. All right. Whatever. You and your, your high moral standard that you set with yesterday's topic about the coin toss. I wanted to know, uh, wanted to know what you thought about the Astros stealing a World Series in 2017. Unconscionable. I don't like it. I don't like cheaters. I never have. Well, good. I'm glad we addressed the subject. No, open and, don't, you open dis- and close Do you disagree case. with me? You know, no, this whole idea, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, is a bunch of crap. No, but we don't have time now to get to it. All right, we'll get to it next. All right, stay tuned. We're live from Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy, 109.05 South, Automall Drive. Drop by and see us. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.